Welcome, welcome to Not a Hoax, Not a Dream, the podcast about comic book characters who just don't quit. You can try to write them off, but they'll just get written back in. You can try to kill them, but they'll just get better. I'm your host, Ben Rathbone, and I'm recording from the Witch's Road. I'm lost. No idea where I'm going. GPS does not work here. The little icon that's supposed to indicate where I am just flies all over the place, kind of like a compass needle when you put it next to a magnet. But what are you going to do? I've been in worse places and gotten out unscathed. Like, remember that time I was in the negative zone? Man. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, we're not going to do a clip show. Though, though, wouldn't that be funny? But nah, we, we've got other stuff to do. We're here to talk about Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. I'll be honest with you. When I decided to do a Scarlet Witch episode, I really didn't think it through. See, there's two times I knew of where she died on panel. This time involving time travel shenanigans that probably shouldn't even count, and then a time more recently during the Hellfire Gala on Krakoa. I decided I didn't want to get into Krakoa Age X-Men just yet, though I definitely will in Season 2. But once I landed on the former, I wasn't that thrilled about the storyline. What did interest me, though, was Wanda's history, which has maybe been retconned more than any other character I can think of. I went down a wormhole and spent, like, a whole weekend just reading different Scarlet Witch comics and wikis. This episode, for better or worse, is a product of that. So... Hope you enjoy. Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be a mutant. A person born with strange and wondrous powers. Now some mutants, like the X-Men, use their special gifts for good. But then there are the terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. Wanda Maximoff first appears as the Scarlet Witch in X-Men number 4 alongside her twin brother Pietro codenamed Quicksilver, and the rest of Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It's explained that Magneto saved her from a hateful mob somewhere in Eastern Europe, but her history before this event is extremely unclear. Wanda and her brother eventually escape from Magneto's service and join the Avengers, where they fight powerful threats like Doctor Doom and the time-traveling Kang the Conqueror. They leave the team when Scarlet Witch's hex powers go in the fritz. In an attempt to regain her abilities, Wanda consults with magical tomes to learn actual witchcraft, and this eventually works. They return to the team, and there Wanda meets the Vision, a synthesoid who was created by Big Bad Ultron, but nonetheless has a heart of gold. The Scarlet Witch takes a romantic liking to the Vision, and while the feelings are not at first reciprocated, Wanda eventually grows on the synthesoid. During this tour on the Avengers, the Scarlet Witch meets a Golden Age hero with super speed named the Wizard. I'm not making this up. His name's the Wizard, and he gained his powers through an injection of mongoose blood. Something I don't think I could make up. He even wears a yellow costume, you know, just in case anyone could otherwise get past the fact that the dude is named The Wizard. Anyway, The Wizard, real name Robert Frank, claims to be Wanda and Pietro's father. The way he tells it, him and his wife, another Golden Age hero named Miss America, decided to go hike up a mountain in Europe, despite the fact that Mrs. Frank was, like, super pregnant. That mountain was Wondergore, and at the peak they found the High Evolutionary. If you don't know the High Evolutionary, well, he's as pompous as his name implies, and his deal is basically playing God like it's Pokemon Go circa 2016. He has an army's worth of experimental animal-person hybrids, and it's one of these creatures, a cow woman, who serves as the midwife to deliver Wanda and Pietro. 
Unfortunately, their mother passes away not too long after. Driven mad by grief, Rob Frank ran away, abandoning the children, never looking back. And we know he can run really fast, because he's the wizard. Also around this time, Wanda first meets the powerful witch Agatha Harkness during an Avengers Fantastic Four team-up. Agatha is serving as the nanny for Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman's son, Franklin. She recognizes the arcane potential in Wanda and offers her formal training in witchcraft. Wanda accepts. Soon after, the Scarlet Witch and Vision are engaged and, after a very brief period, tie the knot. They become the first mutant synthesoid marriage in comics, I'm assuming. Wanda now has a future she looks forward to, but her past remains a mystery. All her and her brother can remember is a traumatic event when they were young, but the details are hazy. There was a fire. They ran. They tried to find a home somewhere else, and then there was the mob in Magneto. Everything before that is cloudy. One day, a mysterious old Romani man named Django Maximoff finds them both, and claims to be their father. The way he tells it, Django and his wife raised the children in a Romani village, but times were hard and discrimination made it so Django couldn't find any employment. He was forced to steal from their neighbors, but was caught. The angry neighbors came for them with torches and burned down their caravan coach, killing Django's wife. Wanda and Pietro fled in panic, and Django never saw them again. Oh, uh, he tells them all this after he turns them into puppets and locks them in bird cages, so they'll never leave him again. He's not his best self at the moment. The Avengers rescue the twins, but Wanda and Pietro take pity on the old man. Also, they want to finally unlock the mysteries of their past, so they return with Django back to Wondagore. There, they meet Bova, the cowwoman who helped deliver them. The way she tells it, one night a woman named Magda came to the peak of the mountain, seeking sanctuary in the high evolutionary citadel. She was heavy with child and afraid of the baby's father, a man whose strange powers had corrupted him with lofty ambitions of ruling the world. Bova took Magda in and assisted in the safe birth of the twins. Magda was grateful, but days later left Wondagore and the children. She left a note explaining that she feared her husband would somehow find the children through her. When Bova asked the High Evolutionary what to do, he invited Mr. and Mrs. Frank up to Wondagore, who were visiting in town. They figured, hey, you're pregnant with one baby, so why not take two more? Unfortunately, Madeline Frank gave birth to a stillborn and passed shortly afterwards. Bova offered the twins to Robert Frank, but he was too mixed up from the grief to understand what was happening, and ran away from Wondergore, never looking back. And we know he can run really fast, because he's the wizard. The High Evolutionary traveled to a nearby Romani camp and found Django and his wife, who were willing to care for the children. Bova explains all this to Pietro, and warns the man he must take his sister and leave before dangerous powers here can consume her. Too late! The demon Cathan possesses the Scarlet Witch before Quicksilver can find her. The demon slumbered in Mount Wendigore, and upon awakening was driven back by the High Evolutionary's forces. Before sleeping again, however, he was able to imbue the infant Wanda with magical powers, which he would someday use to possess her as his avatar. Thanks to Django Maximoff's puppet magic, Quicksilver is able to free his sister from possession by trapping Cathan in a wooden Scarlet Witch doll. Wanda blows up the mountain, burying the doll beneath the rubble. Sadly, Django's heart gives out from the strain of the ordeal. Not long after, the Scarlet Witch and Vision settle down in the New Jersey suburbs just outside New York City. By this time, Pietro has fallen in love with Crystal, a member of the superpowered race of people named the Inhumans. They live on the moon. The two have a baby and name her Luna. Despite being born of a mutant and an inhuman, 
Luna seemingly has the features of an average human. Boy, everything sure is coming up aces for the Maximoff twins. About time, right? Oh man, why am I getting this sick feeling in my stomach? Vision in the Scarlet Witch, number four. Bill Mantlo, scripter. Rick Leonardi, penciler. Ian Akin and Brian Garvey, inkers. Janice Chiang, letterer. George Russos, colorist. A mysterious white-cloaked figure climbs Mount Wondegore. He's found his destination, a solitary red house in the middle of the snowy mountain. He knocks on the door, and after a moment, a being with the body of a cow, who wears a warm flannel dress and walks on two legs, reveals herself. She introduces herself as Bova, midwife of Wondegore, a new woman evolved from a cow by the Lord High Evolutionary. The white-cloaked pilgrim gives no name, but he's offered shelter by a fire nonetheless. He's traveled a long way, seeking answers from the past, and without even asking, Bova brings up the specific topic that weighs on his mind. She recalls another traveler seeking refuge from a storm, long ago. A woman named Magda, who gave birth to twins before swiftly leaving in the night, afraid that her dangerous husband would find her. Upon hearing the name, the white-cloaked pilgrim's eyes widen beneath his billowing cowl. He asks whether the babies died after their mother left, and Bova says no, she nursed them to health, even saw them come into incredible powers. Something unhinges in the white-cloaked pilgrim as he hears this. He calls Bova Cowwoman and demands that she tell him the children's names. Energy crackles from his hands as metal objects fly around the room. The cottage tears apart as nails and hinges rip out from wood. Bova realizes this man must be Magda's husband. Before she can decide what to do next, the white pilgrim lays his hand upon her head and manipulates the iron content of the blood in her brain, forcing her to answer his question truthfully. Wanda and Pietro... Upon hearing the names, the White Pilgrim unleashes even more energy, destroying what remains of the shack. The mysterious white-cloaked figure takes flight and leaves poor Bova alone, leaving no clue as to who he could be. Like, it's a true mystery. He could be anyone. Definitely was rude, though. I'll tell you that much. Like, Cowwoman? She told you her name, dude. And invited you in, even though you didn't return the gesture. What a tool. Meanwhile, on the moon, Vision and the Scarlet Witch have just landed their Quinjet in the city of Adeline, home to the Inhumans. They're greeted by Quicksilver and some of the Inhumans. I would say their names, but would you really care? Black Bolt is one of them. Wanda embraces her brother after she and her husband climb out from their plane, and she explains to the assembled Inhumans the reason for their visit. They wish to see their niece, Luna, of course, but there's a more dire reason as well. Vision's arm got chopped off in issue number two of this limited series, and they were hoping the Inhumans could fix it. Oh shit, well, well yeah, sure. The next day, Vision has a new arm. Nice. Time to visit their niece. On their way there, Wanda and Pietro discover that they each experienced the same dream during the night, an eerily real premonition of danger. Pietro assures her that there is no danger, not here in Adeline's great citadel. Once in Pietro and Crystal's rooms, Crystal welcomes them to their home, to which Wanda replies, To one who has never known a true home of her own, Crystal, such a greeting means more than words can say. Crystal lets Wanda hold baby Luna in her arms, which brings a smile to the witch's face. Vision then asks to hold her, which causes an awkward moment because Quicksilver used to hate him on account of him being a robot. But he's cool, now, and Wanda and Vision have a moment, holding the baby girl together. It's a peaceful moment but Wanda is unable to enjoy it completely. She remembers her dream of a familiar voice crying that she must warn the children. At that very moment, the white pilgrim lands upon the moon, just outside of Adeline. Such is his power, he's able to traverse space itself while wearing only his cloak. 
He sneaks into the city and makes his way to the tower Crystal and Quicksilver live in. Once there, he erects a field of energy that surrounds the tower, so that none may interrupt what he plans to do next. Gorgon and Karnak both attempt to break through the field, but fail. Blackbolt could try, but he'd bring the whole city down. Even the Scarlet Witch's hexes and Vision's intangibility fail to penetrate the force field. It's at this moment that the mysterious White Pilgrim reveals himself. He declares that he has matters he wishes to discuss with the inhabitants of this tower. Quicksilver recognizes the voice immediately, as the man who'd years ago saved his sister and manipulated them into fighting for his cause. Yes, the man sheds the white cloak and at last reveals himself as Magneto, Master of Magnetism. What? Did not see that coming. Magneto claims he has not come to fight, but Quicksilver doesn't want to hear it. He speeds towards his former leader, fists out, and Magneto weaves a local energy field to defend himself. The Scarlet Witch quickly comes to her brother's aid. Pietro's rage propels him on, she thinks, too fast to avoid Magneto's field. I must focus my power, attempt to undo the field with a hex sphere. But I always feared Magneto, his power, and the strange hold he has over Pietro and me. Will I be able to summon enough strength, spirit, to overcome him now? She is able to. Wanda's hexes wash over the magnetic field and transform it into an aromatic field of flowers, slowly drifting to the ground. This allows Quicksilver to ram Magneto into a wall. The Master of Magnetism is impressed. He declares that with the two of them back at his side, there's nothing that they couldn't accomplish. The Vision interjects, saying he betrayed Wanda and Pietro's loyalty long ago. Magneto says, you know what, for that, I'm going to magnetically pull you into the floor. Could do worse, but the Scarlet Witch has chosen you as her husband, so, you know. Vision alters his molecular density, phases past Magneto's trap, and partially solidifies his arm through the mutant's chest, which brings the man to his knees. Vision wonders aloud why being Scarlet Witch's husband would hold the supervillain back. Magneto, in pain, lashes out and directs the full attention of his power at the Vision's synthesoid body. Wanda fears her love is about to be destroyed. Now let he who hurt my husband answer to the wrath of the Scarlet Witch! Wanda forms twin hex spheres in her hands and unleashes the energy. Crystal, beside her, spares the arm not holding Luna and joins her own power to that of the Scarlet Witch. Overwhelmed by the assault, Magneto yells out, I am beset by women! While Magneto is brought to his knees, Quicksilver impales him through his shoulder with a flagpole, and Magneto repels the pole back at Quicksilver. Everyone is ready to attack again when the fight is interrupted by the cries of baby Luna. Crystal tells them to all stop it, that they're scaring the child, and Magneto listens. He removes his helmet and says that this fighting is something of the past, that Luna represents the new order of things. He approaches Crystal and the babe. Scarlet Witch warns him not to hurt the babe, but Magneto says he would sooner die himself than to harm his granddaughter. He takes the baby into his surprisingly caring arms. Quicksilver refuses to believe it, but Wanda knows it's true. Have you never noticed, Pietro? How like yourself he looks? And how like your mother, Magda, you have grown, my lovely Wanda, Magneto says. The man who so often acted as a villain explains his motivations, that he lived through a time when his kind were persecuted for being different. Unlike others, he possessed the power to fight back, and the zeal that came with this power scared Magda away. His experiences fueled a hatred for humanity, but now he finally realizes he has to let go and move on, even if only because of his granddaughter, who is human by every sense of the word. Wanda is 
moved by this unexpected speech. If, if you really are our father, what in heaven's name do we all do now? Someday, the children of the man called Magneto will find an answer to that question. But today, they will be content with the answers they already have. The end. Okay, that was pretty good there at the end, Magneto. But I'm not giving you a pass on how you treated Bova. You wrecked that poor woman's house. Man, uh, while reading this, I, I wondered how much of an influence Empire Strikes Back had on the decision to make Magneto their father. This comic comes out in 82, Empire came out in 80. The thing is, the whole thing about Magda running away from her super-powered husband who wants to take over the world was seen in Avengers in 79, and while they don't say Magneto, it sure seems like they had Magneto in mind even then. Anyway, if you ever get a chance, I'd recommend reading this mini. Rick Leonardi's art is stunning, and the stories are fun. It's kind of amazing to me that even at this point, Wanda's backstory has been rewritten a couple times. It's all pretty confusing to untangle, but in the end, I think it works for her character. She has the kind of power set that's enhanced by a mysterious shifting past. It makes her enigmatic and interesting. There's a lot of stories you can tell about self-discovery with a background like that, and those are the Scarlet Witch stories I have enjoyed reading the most. But the ones she's well known for aren't always that. I mean, if one ignores the fact that he appeared to be dead, it's almost peaceful. Are we seriously fucking dead? Okay, so Magneto's her dad. He's at the start of a redemption arc right now, so things could definitely be worse. Maybe things will be alright after all. Right? It certainly seems that way at first. Wanda invites her newfound father to Thanksgiving, and while it's a bit awkward, given the Avengers are all in attendance as well, it mostly goes well. Then, Scarlet Witch and the Vision decide to have children. Vision isn't able to reproduce in the traditional sense, but that's fine because magic. Wanda uses her hex abilities and powerful witchcraft to conjure up a pregnancy. She consults with Doctor Strange, who eventually helps safely deliver twin baby boys. Wanda names them Billy and Tommy. If only we could stop our tale there, gentle listener. But alas, we must move forward. In West Coast Avengers, writer John Byrne reveals that Wanda didn't solely use her own power to create the children. Each of their souls is a sliver of everyone's favorite Marvel Comics devil, Mephisto. This comes to light when Master Pandemonium grafts the babies onto his arms, so that he has two demonic babies for arms. It's fucking weird. Mephisto reabsorbs the slivers into himself, tragically ending the children's short existences. Agatha Harkness casts a spell to make Wanda forget her sons ever were, in order to spare her tremendous grief and guilt. Everyone thinks this is a great idea, apparently. In the wake of this confusing tragedy, Vision and the Scarlet Witch's relationship falls apart. Years go by. The Scarlet Witch continues to fight alongside different incarnations of the Avengers. Increasingly, her unique combination of mutant hex power and witchcraft is understood as chaos magic. Wanda doesn't just manipulate probability, but reality itself. When Wanda's lover Wonder Man falls in battle, she uses her powers to resurrect him. It becomes clear that the true limits of her power have never properly been explored. 
One day, Wanda is sitting at the Avengers' mansion pool, chatting with fellow Avenger Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, who has had a drink or two. Janet admits that she's recently had a pregnancy scare, and wonders aloud how anyone could have a kid in the superhero business. Like, how could Wanda think she could have two? Um, whoops. Two of what? Wanda asks, and Janet stammers, uh, two of nothing, what am I talking about? She makes up an excuse to scurry off away from the pool, leaving Wanda alone with some serious thoughts. Wanda realizes that she's been lied to and manipulated for years and experiences a mental breakdown. She uses her reality-warping powers to either intentionally or subconsciously lash out at the Avengers. Iron Man appears drunk before the UN. Ant-Man dies in an explosion. She-Hulk rips the vision in half in a violent mindless outburst. The Kree invade New York City, killing Hawkeye. Doctor Strange senses dark magic at play and appears before the Avengers. He asks them if they know who could have wielded such powerful energy in such a chaotic manner. Captain America, tears in his eyes, knows who it must be. But not everyone agrees that their friend could be responsible for such death and destruction. When someone brings up the tragedy of Wanda's kids, Doctor Strange says, Ooh, wait. I delivered those children. Did something happen to her children? When they awkwardly explain what happened, Strange asks them why no one ever came to see him, which, you know, more than fair. He asks them if there's been any other developments with Wanda over the years, and when they talk about chaos magic, Doctor Strange says there's no such thing. He explains that Wanda's mutant power allows her to tap into magical forces in a way that would usually require years of training. The fact that she used her powers to create her own children begs the question, how else would she manipulate reality to suit her own whims? Doctor Strange and the Avengers confront the Scarlet Witch, but not before she's killed Agatha Harkness. Strange uses the Eye of Agamotto to confront Wanda with the truth of what she's been doing. She collapses unconscious from the shock of the revelation. Magneto shows up to take his daughter away with him, so Charles Xavier can help her with his telepathic powers. It soon becomes clear to Xavier that he cannot heal her mind, and so a meeting is called where the Avengers and the X-Men discuss what to do with the Scarlet Witch. One idea is to kill her, before she can do more irreparable damage. Quicksilver is horrified that anyone would even discuss such an idea. He goes to his sister in private and convinces her to create the House of M reality, a world where mutants are the majority and Magneto rules the planet. Multiple X-Men and Avengers start to remember their lives from the previous reality, and Cyclops leads a large team to confront Magneto, who they believe to be responsible. When Magneto finds out it was Quicksilver's plan, the Master of Magnetism is furious. He lashes out at his son, killing him. Wanda comes to her brother's defense, resurrecting Pietro and incapacitating her father. He... he only wanted you to be happy. Wanda recalls the early days of Magneto's brotherhood, when he cared more about mutant superiority than his own children. He thought mutants deserved to rule the world, and that's what she tried to give him, but still, he wasn't happy. Still, he treated his own children this way. Wanda has had enough of that, of Magneto's twisted ambition and contradictions ruling their lives. Maybe it was time to end Magneto's dreams once and for all. The Scarlet Witch speaks three infamous words. No more mutants. The world returns to how it was before, but with one difference. Only 198 mutants retain their powers, while the rest of the population lose their abilities. All around the world, mutants fall from the sky, watch as their bodies morph to that of a normal human, 
and otherwise wake up to a new powerless existence. It's known as M-Day, the worst day in mutant history. Wanda Maximoff goes into hiding for a long time after this, living the life of a normal Romani woman back home near Mount Wondergore. During this period, it's revealed that the souls of her sons, Billy and Tommy, have been reincarnated into the teenage superheroes Wiccan and Speed. They find their mother right as she's about to marry Doctor Doom, and it's revealed that Doctor Doom may have been partly responsible for Wanda's mental breakdown before the assault on the Avengers and House of M, as after recovering the memories of her children, the Scarlet Witch consulted with Doom in an effort to recreate them. Wiccan and Speed help their mother remember who she is, and the Scarlet Witch asks Doctor Doom to help her cast a spell which would harness something called the Life Force and reverse the effects of M-Day. Wiccan and Speed's teammate Patriot interrupts the spell, not trusting Doom's motivations, which, you know, I guess that's fair. Whether the spell would have reversed M-Day or not is unclear, but what happens now is Doctor Doom absorbs all of the life force and Wanda's powers himself, becoming omnipotent. The Avengers and Young Avengers fight him, and Doctor Doom loses due to his own arrogance, as usual. The Scarlet Witch tries to rejoin the Avengers after this, but they're reluctant at first. Then the Phoenix Force comes to Earth, and the Avengers and X-Men fight each other. The X-Men believe the Phoenix will return mutants to Earth, while the Avengers believe it will bring destruction. At the end of the story, a Phoenix-possessed Cyclops kills Charles Xavier, and then Scarlet Witch and Hope Summers use the Phoenix Force to return mutant potentiality to the planet. This doesn't reverse M-Day, but it does allow the possibility of new mutants. In the wake of the all-out war between the Avengers and the X-Men, Captain America forms the Avengers Unity Squad, a new Avengers team made up of prominent members from both the Avengers and X-Men. We've got Captain America, Havoc, Thor, Rogue, Wolverine, and the Scarlet Witch. Later on, other members join, like Wonder Man, Sunfire, and the Wasp. If you thought having the Scarlet Witch be on a team with mutants might be a little awkward, you're not wrong. Scarlet Witch and Rogue, in particular, don't get off to a good start. When Rogue sees Wanda paying her respects to Charles Xavier, she tells the Scarlet Witch that the battle that resulted in his death was her fault, and she has no right to be there. Wanda accepts responsibility for her actions, but asks if Cyclops will do the same. Rogue says Cyclops was fighting to save mutant kind, like the rest of the X-Men, and Wanda asks why it's so important to create new mutants anyway. Rogue tells Wanda she's always tried to pretend she wasn't a mutant, and you get the idea. Their arguments only get worse from there. The two have a strained working relationship on the team, so it isn't a surprise several issues later that when the Scarlet Witch pretends to be working with their enemies, Rogue doesn't think it's an act. That brings us, finally, to Uncanny Avengers, Avengers, number 14, by writer Rick Remender, penciler Steve McNiven, inker John Dell, colorist Laura Martin, and letterer V.C.'s Clayton Cowles. It's the year 3806. A man in silver armor named Strife watches as a strange vortex threatens his space station. His team of super-powered mutants suggests they leave for another galaxy, but Strife sees that it's pointless. Long-term, there's nowhere they could run to. There is nowhere... A voice suddenly proclaims, Only a when. It is Kang the Conqueror. He offers salvation outside of time for Strife and his team. Next, we go to 2033, where a Spider-Woman named Mae Parker watches a vortex consume New York. She is pulled towards the singularity herself until Kang arrives to save her. The same thing happens again and again. We jump to different time periods threatened by the same anomaly, and at each one, Kang recruits more people to his collective. What is the Time Traveler's plan? 
Before we find out, we cut to the Akaba Nebula, where Rogue and Sunfire have just infiltrated the spaceship of Ariel and Iman, otherwise known as the Apocalypse Twins. Who are the Apocalypse Twins? They're the villains, that's all you need to know. They just recruited the Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man to help them rapture all of Earth's mutants, transporting them into specially made pods on their spacefaring arc. The twins plan to destroy the planet afterwards. Unbeknownst to the twins, Wanda plans on transporting the mutants to the spaceship as a fighting force that can stop the villains. Rogue is only aware of what Wolverine told her, who was himself very unclear on the details beyond the Scarlet Witch working with the twins. They assume the worst. Before passing out from injuries, he told her not to kill anyone. Rogue absorbed a bit of his powers and left to stop Wanda. She's 100% planning on killing her. The Scarlet Witch channels Wonder Man's ionic energy through her body. She weaves her own magic into the universe, beginning her spell. Rogue and Sunfire arrive, but before they can get close, they're assaulted by the Apocalypse Twins' minions, zombified versions of Wonder Man's brother Grim Reaper and Wolverine's son Dokken. The two zombies gain the upper hand, but the odds even out when a healed Wolverine joins the fray. He takes on his son and tells Sunfire to break Wonder Man away from Wanda. Rogue, meanwhile, knocks Grim Reaper to the side and runs towards the Scarlet Witch, bone claws protruding from her fists thanks to Wolverine's powers. Sunfire tackles Wonder Man away from Wanda, but the Scarlet Witch continues her spell. Rogue is within striking distance now, and Wolverine understands what's about to happen. He shouts for her to stop, but Dokken holds him back from interfering. The Scarlet Witch notices her assailant too late, and Rogue stabs Wanda through the stomach. Why? Wanda asks. I'm sorry. You're too dangerous to live. What does that make you? Rogue watches as the Scarlet Witch falls to the ground. Her head is reeling from what she's done as she tries to convince herself it was the right decision. She's unprepared when the Grim Reaper attacks, impaling her with his scythe from behind. Wanda breaks free from Dokken's hold to try to help, but before he can, Grim Reaper channels dark energy through his scythe, disintegrating Rogue. Wonder Man maneuvers out from Sunfire and flies over to Wanda. Let me go, she says, knowing we got this right, together. Bring the cavalry to finish these monsters, before they can hurt more people. Okay. Wanderman says. I've got plenty of power left. But that's a lie, and Wanda knows it. Still, Wonderman channels all of his energy, indeed all of his very being, into the Scarlet Witch, so she can complete her spell. Wanda's final words are addressed to the mutants of Earth. Rise, mutants, for the Earth is filled with violence. Rise to this ark, that you might be safe, that you might punish these devils. All mutants of Earth... Rise. She slumps to the ground, never to see the results of her spell. To be continued. This podcast, as you know, is about comic book characters who die and come back. As we've seen, it's pretty easy to bring a character back to life in the funny books. What's harder is bringing a character back after character assassination. For the Scarlet Witch, it took years. She wasn't even in the books for five or six years after House of M, except guest spots and cameos. Uh, usually gaps like that are because no one is interested in the character, but in Wanda's case, no one knew what to do with her. It's kind of hard to come back from nearly wiping out an entire race of people, you know, from a PR perspective. 
And it probably doesn't help that when you do come back to get placed on a team where your main role is to argue with a member of that race over how bad of a thing that even was, really. Yeah, Uncanny Avengers is pretty cool from an action perspective, but the parts of it to try to make some kind of political point kind of suck. So yeah, the whole Avengers disassembled through House of M arc did a number on Wanda. It elevated her in terms of power level, but made her a tricky character to develop uh, ever after that. I don't want to blame all the weirdness completely on the writers of the books. Well, except the demon baby arm shit, that was definitely John Byrne. But as far as killing Avengers and wiping out mutants, a lot of that might have been editorial decisions. I don't really know. But you just hate to see it. You are familiar with the thought experiment the ship of Theseus in the field of identity metaphysics? Naturally. The ship of Theseus is an artifact in a museum. Over time, its planks of wood rot and are replaced with new planks. When no original plank remains, is it still the ship of Theseus? Secondly, if those removed planks are restored and reassembled free of the rot, is that the ship of Theseus? Neither is the true ship. Both are the true ship. Well, then we are agreed. The Apocalypse Twins' threat ends, and the timeline resets. Scarlet Witch, Rogue, and Wonder Man are never killed in the restored timeline. The Avengers Unity Squad continues to operate, taking on other villains who threaten humankind. One of these threats is the Red Skull, who stole Charles Xavier's brain and surgically added it to his own. In a final battle against the villain, Scarlet Witch teams up with Doctor Doom to cast a spell on the Red Skull, inverting his sense of morality, turning him good. The spell kind of gets out of control, though, and inverts the moral axis of a bunch of other heroes and villains hanging out in the area, too, including the Scarlet Witch herself. She decides she wants to murder Dr. Doom, and Magneto and Quicksilver try to stop her. Wanda casts a spell to stop both of them, designed to affect people related to her by blood. She's shocked to discover that it has no effect on Magneto, meaning the man is not her biological father. Later on, after all that Axis stuff is done with, Wanda and Pietro are captured by the High Evolutionary, who confronts them with a new revision of the circumstances of their birth. The way he tells it, they're failed experiments, not even mutants. Wanda and Pietro were born of Romani parents near Mount Wondergore. The High Evolutionary stole them away as babies, and made alterations to their genetics, modifications which ultimately gave them their powers. He returned them to the same parents when he was done, presumably Django Maximoff and his wife. Shortly after this revelation, Wanda decides to take time to herself, away from any Avengers team. She becomes a sort of magical private detective, solving mysteries of the supernatural variety. It's revealed that using magic ages her, leading to an early death, so she's more creative these days. While working her new gig, she discovers that witchcraft itself is broken. She heads to a weird place between dimensions named the Witch's Road to try to track the problem to its root. She's assisted by her companion, the ghost of Agatha Harkness. Will this newest adventure reveal yet another facet to her past? Yeah, probably. Scarlet Witch, Volume 2, Number 4. By writer James Robinson, artist and colorist Chris Visions, and letterer VCs Corey Petit. The Witch's Road appears before Wanda as a forest, both colorful and dark. 
the branches of trees twisting in and out of the ground in strange loops all around her. Small tulips and irises bloom from the bark, brightening the shadows that constantly loom before her. She's just met another traveler on this journey, a woman who looks remarkably like her. Wanda herself is wearing a stylish red coat over top a black jumpsuit. The woman across from her is wearing a flowing red dress, a red headpiece, moon earrings, with wide golden bracelets around her wrists, and a sparkling golden sash around her waist. One could say it's an exaggerated version of Wanda's own costume from a different age. Wanda introduces herself as Wanda. The figure across from her introduces herself as... The Scarlet Witch. Wanda has never met this woman before in her life, but she instantly knows who it is. The name only confirms it. This is her mother. Wanda looks to Agatha to second the deduction, and the ghost confirms. Why didn't she ever tell her? Agatha says, It wasn't her time to know. This new Scarlet Witch, or rather, the old Scarlet Witch, reveals her full name, Natalia Maximoff. The two talk. Natalia does not know anything about Wanda, only that she was summoned to protect the woman from some unknown danger, and that she feels that they share an inexplicable deep connection. Agatha warns Wanda not to reveal anything about their relationship, since the Witch's Road may have pulled Natalia from the past, or the afterlife. The two venture forth on the road, when Natalia senses a foul monster ahead of them. It reveals itself to be a demon, with a wolf's snout, a horse's hooves, and long curved horns. Mother Scarlet Witch unleashes twin hex bolts at the creature. The demon at first resists, but succumbs to the next concentrated bolt of energy. It sinks beneath the watery swamp surrounding them. Natalia tells Wanda to be careful, that the rest of the path is up to her alone. As she fades from the road, though, she recognizes Wanda for who she really is. Her daughter, yet to be born. But she's gone before any more can be said. Wanda asks Agatha about her mother and it's revealed that Wanda is from a line of Scarlet Witches. Her power is her birthright. The next figure Wanda meets on the road doesn't look like her at all. He's a man in a green suit, a man Agatha recognizes. The Clan Dane, the Emerald Warlock. The Clan has been delaying this meeting, amassing power until he was strong enough to defeat her. The two duel, red energy clashed against green, the Scarlet Witch is seemingly at a disadvantage. She begins to age rapidly, weakening as she futilely attempts to fight off the clan's assault. Just as the Emerald Warlock thinks he's won, however, Wanda de-ages before his eyes. That was all an illusion, and now he's fallen into her trap. The Witch's Road twists in many directions, and as they fought, the Scarlet Witch led the Warlock down a path away from the realm of the male Celtic deity Cernunos, and into the realm of the mother goddesses Saradwen, Oya, and Nicknevin. Here, her witch powers are stronger. The clan attempts one final push, but Wanda easily rebuffs against it. The clan remarks that at last, the Scarlet Witch has found an archenemy in the Emerald Warlock. He disappears, leaving nothing behind but twisted green smoke. The End for now. 
This Scarlet Witch series came out in 2015 and ran for 15 issues, and I really like it. It's pretty episodic, each story self-contained with an overarching plot. Wanda travels all around the world, from Greece to Ireland to Hong Kong to France to Japan, and the art style matches the destinations and the themes of the stories. The result is that each issue feels different. I included this issue here for thematic reasons. The first issue I covered revealed her true father, supposedly, I guess, so it's fitting that the closer reveals her mother. It isn't my favorite issue, though. Don't get me wrong, it's good. But there's a lot of other great issues, too. There's a story about France's only superhero trying to speak to his lover in the afterlife. There's a real clever one where Wanda sees a therapist, but things aren't quite what they seem. And the one set in Greece, she confronts a minotaur. There's a really good issue drawn by Joelle Jones about her and her brother. But yeah, this is the kind of comic Scarlet Witch needed. Some space. Some time to herself. Room to breathe, and discover what makes her, her. Good stuff. Alright, and that's it for the season one finale of Not a Hoax, Not a Dream. Thank you for listening to this episode, and if you listen to any others, thanks for listening to those too. If you enjoyed the podcast and have some friends that you think might enjoy it also, let them know about it. And you can, of course, always leave a good review and rating wherever you listen to it, if applicable. Season two will almost definitely release in the fall, probably like October. If you want to ensure that definitely happens, send me some feedback. You can find me on Twitter at drcomicbooks, you know, like Dr. Comic Books, though I am not a doctor, sorry. The show also has an email, drcomicbookie, like a Y instead of the S, at gmail.com. I'm going to set up a Patreon this weekend at patreon.com slash drcomicbooks. If you can and you want, check that out to see how you can support the show. It will mostly just help me gauge interest, but best case scenario, I can buy a new mic or something. But yeah, that's all I got. Hope you all have a great summer, or whatever season is up next right now as you listen to these words. Enjoy life, read some comics, and I'll see you soon. (laughs) 